Blog Talk Radio. Have you ever thought, gee, I wish I could get some answers about the meaning of life? I know I have. (laughs) Ironically enough, so has tonight's guest. The only difference is she's actually done it. 
She has. She's posed questions and received answers, and we will find out more about that in just a moment. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from so that you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, free of charge, and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Stephanie Banks, an award-winning author who, through life experiences, found herself transformed, which led to writing her book, A Soulful Awakening, our topic for discussion. Since then, she's dedicated her life to mastering ancient wisdom and writing candidly about all that she learns through this process, which offers both guidance and transformation to those of us who seek insight into our existence. So let's welcome her now. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you so very much for joining us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I am being awesome. How about you? I'm being great myself. And thank you for recognizing <laughs> that it was being. <laughs> Some people don't. <laughs> They're like, what well, is she speaking? What, what language is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is uh, universal language, actually. It's about paying attention to the subtleties. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. You know, we're not doing, you know, doing what? What am I doing? I'm actually being. So, yay, we're all being great. That's wonderful. And you are in Canada, correct? Yes, I am. British Columbia. So that's the western part. Yes. Yeah, very good. Ah. Far far west side of uh, of Canada, so the Pacific side. So it's a little chilly there. It's a little chilly here. We haven't had much snow, but we're due for one big storm this weekend. So, you know. Oh, fun. Everybody... Yeah, I think it will be. Yeah, we haven't had any. So, you know, people are saying, oh, no, it's not going to be fine. I'm saying, yeah, no, I think it will be good. Well, everybody just hunker down for the weekend and get over it. <laughs> yeah, it but all depends on how you look at it, weather. right? <laughs> That's right. You have to, you know, look at it in a good way. Everything. Just do everything the best of your ability in a good way, and it's all good. I love your book, A Soulful Awakening. It's the perfect title because it was for you, and it can be for others as well. A soulful awakening. I found that I could relate to so very many of the stories. The the messages resonated so much. So I ended up laughing, nodding, smirking, feeling the pain, etc. You most certainly get the attention of and keep the attention of the reader. Now that's me, and I read your book, you know. But some of the people who are listening have not, obviously. So I'd like to start, if we may, with a few yes or no questions just so that we can all be on the same page. Can we do that? Sure, yeah. Okay, great. So prior to the events that led up up to your book, were you a believer in other realms? Uh, Yeah, I definitely was. It was just something that I didn't think about very often, but I was definitely open. I, I grew up in a household that was fairly alternative and intuitive, and so um, different sort of quote-unquote esoteric ideas weren't foreign to me. It was just not the the way I was living my life. It was just something kind of hanging around in the background. Yeah, okay, so you, your eyes were opened. And prior to the events that led up to the book, 
did you consider yourself a religious person? Religious? No, no. Spiritual? No, because I didn't understand the word. But when I look back on my life now, I think to um, to a certain degree, I was living uh, a spiritual life just in terms of how um, how I interacted with the world to a certain degree. But I wouldn't have put myself into that category because I wouldn't have recognized that as being a category. <laughs> I get that, yeah. I, I think a lot of people go through that. You know, it's... Um... It's just something that we kind of fall into but don't really recognize what it is until we learn the meaning. And then we say, wow, I, I was being spiritual, but now I know what it is, so I'm more aware and I can do it even better. Is that fair? Right, that, exactly. So just to sort of um, uh, reemphasize that, that how I was prior to my accident in terms of living a spiritual life would have been a, like a very minuscule aspect compared to where I am now. But I wasn't. I was at least... Um, open to certain ideas and I recognized um, the difference to a certain degree between let's say the ego and the soul and that kind of thing but it would be like being in preschool and having just these little concepts that were there but not really having a clear indication of how they impact a person's life and I think the reason why I wanted to open with those questions is because so many people think that once somebody writes a book that they must have always been this way and always you know new things and came in knowing and no these we have normal people you you're a normal person everyday person just like everybody else out there that you went through an accident and this is what happened so i wanted to establish that because so many times after the show people say well you know it, it must have been special for them because they came in special and that's not it at all uh it's it's normal people having experiences that really wake them up I think that's important to note. It, it is very important to note, and, I, and that's one of the primary messages behind why I'm getting out there and talking about my story and my own experience. And But just one little, because recent, very recently it was brought to our attention through a, a live channeling, like a verbal channeling, that it's so important to pay attention to, to the, the details and the subtleties. And, you know, we, the, the fact is, is that we are all born special every single one of us and they're mm-hmm. we're completely equal on every on every level although it may not appear that way and um it's my belief wholeheartedly that we all have the ability to connect to the other side to other realms to loved ones who have passed on but many of us don't feel that we are able to do that because we don't feel that we have that special gift but we're all we all have it in all that that gift is that that unfailing connection that we have all the time. It's about reestablishing that connection, realigning with it, remembering that we even have it to begin with, and then figuring out and sorting out ways to um, to have that alignment to such a degree that eventually we'll be able to all of us will be able to access our guides on the other side and all the information that's out there. And I really do believe that during this time period that we're living in right now, that's the direction we're moving. That's where we're heading. And anyone who's interested in listening to a show such as yours or buying a book such as mine or all the other amazing people that are out there in the world coming from a, from a spiritual background or basis, um, knows that this transformation is happening. They can feel it. And it's about 
just getting back to your natural state of being, which is in complete alignment with source, with all that is and, and what that encompasses. And that encompasses all these beings on the other on the other side of the veil that are there to help and support us all the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if we if people enhance their own ability that they come in with the gifts that we have and some people say well I don't have that gift yes you do we're we're all alike in very many ways and we're all connected and no one is better than anyone else on the planet I don't care who you are the Dalai Lama the Pope the president doesn't matter nobody's better than anybody else it's just the way it is but people don't look at it like that because society puts all these um, parameters in and you know we come in from source which is a source of love we're all made from love and we have it for such a short time because then you know, grown-ups mess up with us. <laughs> you know, you go to school and you have parents and they mess with your head and now you get further and further away from source. So at some point in your life, people are always trying to go back and find that that origin. You know, what is it? Where's my spirituality? What is it that I'm missing in my life? And they find it either on their own because they're searching or through, such as yourself, a traumatic experience. And so now that we, we've established this, can you just give us a catch us up, give us a brief explanation of the course of events that prompted you or that, that actually gave you the soulful awakening? Because although I've read the book, as I said, the audience probably has not. A lot of them probably have not. And they're wondering, what accident? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, which one should we talk about? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, apparently, I'm apparently one of those people that needs to, um, to have something thrown on the top of my head, let's say, in order to pick up the little signs that are happening here and there. So I think that I, I probably could have woken up in a much gentler way, but that's just not the the route that I chose to take. So basically what happened was in August of 2012, I went on a mountain biking trip with my son and my partner and um, a downhill mountain biking trip in Whistler, British Columbia, which acts as a ski hill in the winter. And then in the summertime, it becomes a mountain biking mountain. And essentially, you take your, your bike up on the chairlift, and, and then from there, you take one of you know numerous trails down to the bottom, just like you would on skis. So anyways, uh, we were on our third day of biking. We were uh, on our... I think it was our second or third run. I need to read the book again so that I can remember that <laughs> detail. I think it was the third. Not really that. For your, yeah, it, was it was the third? third. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we were heading back up to do this run that we had discovered. The boys really liked it. There was a, a series of jumps at one section of this particular run. And the idea was is that when we got back to this particular section of, of this run, Steve and our son would would do these jumps. I would go to the bottom and literally just stand there and take pictures because I don't like to jump. It's not something that interests me at all. So we get to this section. Uh, we stop and we wait for a series of other jumpers to, to sort of get out of the way. And there was this path that wound around the the jumps. And then there was about five or six different jumps that people could choose if they wanted to go that route. But my route was this path that, that wound around the jumps. So as I was heading down to to the bottom to take a picture of, of Stephen and Dawson doing these jumps, partway down, all of a sudden, I just felt like something was pulling me. It was almost like it was out of my control that I was just being drawn in towards these jumps. And I, you know, I steered my bike there and I started heading towards this, you know, right there. And the thought process that I had at the time was that I could literally just... Um, 
roll over this jump, you know, like don't necessarily have to jump, but I can just roll over it and maybe I'll stop at the top and take a picture. And these were all the nice sort of happy thoughts I was having (laughs) in my head as I was heading towards this jump. But little did I know um, that because I made a very poor assumption and I I definitely learned my lesson about making assumptions about anything. I just assumed that I could roll over this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I had to learn it the hard way. So for anyone who's listening, just take it from me. Don't assume anything. (laughs) So so now here I am. I'm heading towards this jump. I'm assuming I can just roll over it and everything would be hunky-dory. But really what ended up happening is that there was about a um, six to eight-foot gap between the takeoff and the landing. And it was separated. The takeoff and the landing were separated by this um, gully and a rock face. So, I mean, we're in the mountains, right? So as I'm getting close to this jump, I see this and I recognize it. And I thought the first thought I had was, oh, and that's all I remember was thinking, oh, and thinking I don't have time to stop. I'm going too fast and I'm not going fast enough to clear this jump. And while I was thinking these thoughts, all of a sudden I found myself being catapulted through the air and flying with, with, you know, me and my bike. And we ended up just face planting into the this rock face on the other side and oddly enough what was happening then in terms of what I was thinking about it was like everything came into slow motion and rather than being fearful or afraid I was thinking how beautiful the rock face was what a magnificent you know, line. There was this beautiful line that just sort of like zigzagged through this rock. And I remember admiring it and thinking to myself, it's, you know, the nature is just so beautiful. And these were the thoughts I was having prior to face planting into this rock face. And then, um, and then I ended up falling into the gully beneath me, which was about another eight feet down with my bike landing on top of me. And, and then I, I don't have, a whole lot of recollection about what was happening. The last thing I remember was thinking how beautiful that line was in the rock. And then um, from there, I don't have any concrete memory of of what happened until I kind of came to, and um, I'll just leave the rest of that, that part of the story out because it's, it's, it's in the book and it it is interesting, Uh but it's really not the focal point. So I think what I'll do is I'll just jump ahead a little bit. If you'd like, would you like me to carry on with this? Where I'm going sure. in terms Fine. of my yeah. yeah okay so uh, consequently we ended up at the hospital I had numerous injuries I had two casts on on both my arms and a um, bunch of other injuries and as the as the doctor was putting he'd already casted my left arm and now he was putting a cast on on my right arm and all of a sudden it dawned on me that, wow, I'm going to be, I'm going to have two casts on my arms. Like, this is crazy. I can't function with, with that. And, you know, the same mm-hmm. thoughts that we would all be having in that kind of situation. And I, so I begged and I pleaded with him to, to not cast uh, my right arm. And he said, I can't do that. You have broken bones in your, the palm of your hand. Um, we have to cast it. And I said, okay, well, this is the thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I, I'm probably going to freak out at some point and I'm going to go into work. I'm a landscaper. I own a landscape company and we have all sorts of tools and machines and equipment and stuff. And I literally said to this doctor, I'm going to go into work with, with my cast and I'm going to ask one of my concrete guys to saw this 
thing off. <laughs> and I think I think he took me seriously and he said, "Okay, this is what I'll do. I'll just I'll 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 cut it open already so and then tensor it together and if you need to get out of it in a state of panic, you can but just put it back on." So the reason why I'm telling this part of the story is because I ended up taking that cast off pretty much within 5 or 6 hours of leaving the hospital and my right arm. And now we know you're a compliant wrote, patient, right? What's that? Now we know that you're a compliant patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the Aries in me coming out. <laughs> this, this is so, one of those things. Where I say, please don't try this at home. <laughs> please don't try this at home. And I can't say that I actually would have, but I felt like it at the time. So, mm. so we go, we get home, and uh, and then. The next day I woke up and I was feeling so down and so angry at myself that here I was, like I was in so much pain. I had like, I had really bad whiplash. I had the pedal of my bike and inserted into my shin. I had a gigantic, um, uh, what's it called? I had done something to my, to my upper thigh, um, these, these broken bones. And I, I just found myself going into this, this gigantic slump. I was, I felt useless to my company. I felt useless to my family. I felt useless to our little farm that we had. And I could really feel myself just slipping and sliding into this, into this place of darkness. And I thought, no, I can't go there. I, you know, I just can't go there. I know, I know what kind of energy that's going to bring. I was aware enough to know that. So Mm. I decided that I would write. I, I always, I write, I like to write. I've always written at certain points in my life and so I pulled out this old journal and I set myself up with a cup of tea out on my deck and um and I happen to live in a very pristine part of the the world so I don't have any neighbors I'm just looking out into nature and, and so I'm sitting there with my journal and I'm thinking okay so what am I going to write about I don't really want to write about the bike accident or I couldn't think of anything to write about and as I was sitting there contemplating I'm, it was almost as if I was just sort of in another world for a little, for a little bit. I have no idea how long. And but then I noticed that I had already been writing, and I saw my mother's name addressed at the bottom of what appeared to be a letter. And my mother passed away when I was 24 in 1996. So I was completely like jaw smacked. I had no idea what was going on. I went back to the beginning and I realized that. This was, you know, I had written about, I forget how many pages now, but it was long. It was like seven or eight pages of writing from her. And the interesting thing is that this letter was in her printing. It, it, it was so similar to how she used to print when she was alive. And so I read, I'm reading this letter and, and she, you know, addressed me by the nickname, um, which, I, which I guess isn't that unusual. Um, and then she started talking about how we are going through, um, we're in the, in the heat of powerful times as a collective consciousness that we're evolving and, and waking up and, um, that I'm, I'm, I, she, yes, she was my mother, but I'm actually a child of the universe and just all sorts of stuff I had never contemplated or heard of before. And, and let alone, you know, received messages. I've never channeled a message before in my life. I didn't even really understand exactly what that was. And that was the start of this uh, open connection that came as a result of of this bike accident. And but I didn't have any 
I still didn't have any idea of what happened or why. And basically what I did is I was waking up every morning and I was just so excited about sitting down and writing with my journal. Like, who am I going to talk to today? Who am I going to hear from? What information are they going to give me? This is so powerful. This is so amazing. And, and all of that. And, and then eventually, and, but I was also going through this other um, feeling of, like, did I just hit my head too hard? <laughs> well, see, you know, now this is where I, yeah, where I wanted to go with this because so the very first person you challenged was your mom, and that's great. You knew it was her, not just by the words that were dictated to you, but because even the handwriting came through as hers. You, you knew that. So you were essentially a conduit for her. She used your hands to write her letter to you. And so that for me, and I think for you too, would have been validation. Right there. That would have been enough validation that, okay, I know this is my mother because I don't write like her, and all of a sudden I'm writing like her, so this is really weird. But at, at what point, you know, did you wake up the next day and think you were going to hear from her again, or did, did you hear from somebody different right away? Well, I woke up the next day, and I didn't have any um, – I didn't have – it's interesting. I've done on probably 40, 45 interviews now, and I, nobody's ever asked me that question. So it's the first time I'm actually really thinking about what my thought process was the next morning, aside from being excited to write. Well, I I'm didn't thinking specifically didn't have any expectations. I didn't have any expectations who I was going to yeah. hear from. I just had a knowing that I would hear from somebody. So I literally just sat down and, with my book and my my pen, and I I asked. I said, "Good morning. Thank you." whoever is out there, like whoever is here right now, I would love to hear from someone. And that someone ended up delivering a message and it was, um, they introduced me, introduced themselves to me as one of my, my main guides at the time, which again was a new concept to me and went into further detail about what's going on on our planet right now in terms of this awakening that's happening and and um, there was less focus on me. The first one was for my mom. There was less focus on me and more focus on the totality of everything. And and then the next day, um, I'd have to go back and look, but I ended up just receiving messages from various um, guides and teachers is how I refer to it because I don't really know what else, you know, I don't, that's the terminology that works best for me. And and then eventually, as I became more comfortable with what was happening, I started telling a few friends. And then, of course, they wanted to know if there was a message from so-and-so. And, you know, there was two incidences that come to mind where two of my uh, good friends had both lost a parent within, you know, a short period of time before this happened to me. And I ended up connecting with um, both the one girl's mother and the one girl's father. And it was just such a transformational experience for them in terms of being able to move forward or move on, move forward from this place of being stuck in grief to a place of being, wow, you know, my, my mom, my dad, they're right there. I, I kind of knew it, but now I really know it. And one of them mm-hmm. now channels her father all on her own whenever she feels like Help it. It was enough to, and it doesn't take much. That's the thing. It just took, right. it took me introducing them really essentially mm-hmm. in the end, which I don't think you necessarily need that either, but I, I think sometimes it's just helpful for us. But in terms of the validation, I, it, I definitely had my moments of doubt. There's no question. And even mm-hmm. though, even though I was constantly give, being given these affirmations and confirmations that what I was receiving was legit, 
I still had my doubts. And eventually what I did is I, I thought, okay, I need to start reading what other people are writing about. Like mm-hmm. who I had never heard of Wayne Dyer. I never heard of Doreen I know that amazed me. Like, oh my God, this poor woman. She never heard of Wayne Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, How now, is that of course, possible? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, going back to the, the beginning where you were right. wanting to um, express to people that it's not, it's not like I grew up um, reading all sorts of literature and, and listening to people who are in this field. I am, you know, up until 2012, I had no inkling. I had never read the only spiritual book, I guess, quote unquote, spiritual book that I had ever read was the Celestine prophecy when I was in high school or something. Okay. But that um, was a really cool book. So that was a good start. <laughs> it, Very was, cool yeah, book. It, it, yeah. it totally was. Yeah. But then <laughs> to start sort of validating the things that I was writing about, I had to start reading what other people were writing. And the first book I read was by Gary Zukoff and it was called spiritual partnerships. And I sat down to read it and I was just like, so amazed that so much of what he was saying was stuff that I had been journaling and Mm -hmm. I'm a landscaper from Kamloops, British Columbia. You know, I don't, (laughs) I have no um, educational background and I felt like I could literally just, you know, insert any paragraph that I was receiving from these messages and put them into his book somewhere or somebody else's book, um, a spiritual book, and there would be, you wouldn't skip a beat. Yes. Well, the other thing, too, is you were a landscaper, and being a landscaper, you're out in nature, and being out in nature allows you to be open more because you're connecting with the earth. And so when you're connecting with the earth and you're out in nature and you're doing those things and living in the moment, and I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet, I'd I'd bet anything on this that landscapers are more in the present moment than people who are going to work at some big corporate job somewhere. I I would think so. I mean, it's hard for me to tell, but I would, I think bottom line is the other night we were doing a a live channeling for a small group of people. I just started doing this publicly. So it was a small group of people and somebody asked, what is the quickest and most efficient way to get back into alignment with your natural state of being, with who you are, with that divine piece of you. And the answer was, um, I received all of my, I guess, um, verbal channelings from Solomon, who Mm -hmm. represents a collective consciousness of sorts. And the answer was, bar none, nature. Get back to nature. Bar none, absolutely. Get back to nature. I mean, I... Yeah, I notice a difference when I'm out gardening. I mean, I've done all my own design and everything and planted everything. And, you know, when I'm doing that, you you can't help but be in the present moment and you start getting very creative ideas and things start coming to you and you are in alignment. And when that happens, if you can continue with that flow – you know, and just keep that going no matter what you're doing. And it takes practice because once you start getting into whatever your real job is, your real work is, if you're not a professional landscaper like you are, you know, then you don't have the luxury of going to work and being able to do that. You have to do it on your own. But it is about the awareness. It is about the being in the present moment with every action, even washing dishes or, or folding laundry or, or whatever it is. So going to nature is the quickest way. Just walk outside, walk around the building. Even if you're in the middle of New York City, walk around the building because that will get you out in air and you will see some trees and you will see nature and it it just grounds you. And luckily for you, you do that all the time probably automatically and didn't even know it, you know? Well, 
I mean, I guess part of my job is out in the field and part of my job is office work. So it's a little bit of both. I'm definitely fortunate enough where I, when I start feeling like I, you know, I need to get my hands dirty, I need to go and plant some trees, I I can just pick those jobs and go and do them. So I'm very fortunate about that. Um, But the thing is, is that like you say you just have to find that place you need mm. to there's there's always a park there's always a tree there's there's you know even pet stores like i don't know like you know mm. the pet stores no are, you're right you, you know mm. don't necessarily agree with a pet store but the thing is it's the, the reason the reason why it's so important i think to immerse yourself in nature in whatever capacity that is is because what we're trying to reconnect with is that feeling of pure divine unconditional unobstructed unlimited love and that is exactly what nature represents. Animals represent it. Trees represent it. Plants represent it. They're, they're all living in synergy with one another and with us. I mean, we don't necessarily live synergistically with them. But right. that their objective, from my point of view, obviously, is um, they're, they're just here unconditionally supporting us always, providing oxygen, providing food, providing right. this, providing that. And so when we get back into that, that's what we're feeling, whether we know it or not. And it's it's all energetic vibration. It's all a resonance that we're feeling. And the and I think when they say, when Solomon says, get back into nature, essentially he's saying, get back to where divine unconditional love exists. You may yeah. not find that in your office building. You may not find it in your... Um, with your family members over Christmas dinner, I have no idea, but you will right. find it there. Yeah, you won't find it over a dysfunctional family dinner. It's, just, it's not going to happen, you know. <laughs> and that's pretty much what everybody has at the holidays. So it's like, oh yeah, it's a dysfunctional family time. <laughs> no, you're not going to find it there. But you will find it out in nature. So go forth, open the door, and walk outside. <laughs> it's amazing to me because you know when you when you. Um, the the messages that you started getting and given, you know, your circumstances and wondering, did I get hit in the head too hard, like you said a few moments ago, and then realizing, coming to the realization that, no, I did not, and reading other books, this was obviously something that you had to do in order to get the, the little bit more validation that you needed. Now, a lot of these people you didn't know, but I believe, didn't your grandfather come through? Yes, didn't yes, my grandfather absolutely. comes through fairly often yeah and and that was a huge um well when i when i have i mean i've received many messages for him and and oddly enough it's almost like as strange as this may sound it kind of gets to a point where okay so let's just say you know some of us have really close friends but we only talk to them two three times a year Mm -hmm. and it's not because we don't want to or we don't have the urge to it's more it usually comes down to time yeah, life so happens. for me, even though I have access to my, my mother who's passed away and my best friend who's passed away and my grandfather who's passed away, I don't necessarily talk to them all that often because typically when I sit down to write, I don't always ask specifically. Oftentimes now it's for other people because I offer personal reading. So a lot of the time I'm you know, asking on behalf of, of someone else, but I don't speak to them as often as I guess I would like to. But my grandfather, when he first came through, um, his what astounded me was how difficult it was to write that that letter. And although I'm not really paying attention to what's going on while I'm writing, 
I have mm. a sense of how my body's feeling, you know, if I need to move around or, you know, I'm getting uncomfortable. And in this case, when I was channeling my grandfather's me- me- message, it was so hard to write and, and my fingers were just cramping and my arm felt like it was cramping. And, and so when I was done, when, when he was done, essentially, and he signed Grandpa Harold, um, I, I put the pen down and then I looked at the paper and I couldn't believe the similarity between his between the writing that I just channeled and his writing in real life and I I um and his his writing was very small and very like you know pushing down hard kind of thing which is why my hand was hurting and up until this point I hadn't discussed any of this with my brother and uh, he's also my business partner and I, ha- I just mm-hmm. hadn't ventured, ventured there yet because he's more of a scientific mind and I you know was sort of waiting for the right opportunity and and now all of a sudden I had this message from my grand- grandfather, well, our grandfather, and my brother ha- was home. We share a house as well. And I went down to his his uh, his portion of the house and I showed him this letter and I he didn't see the name. I just showed him the first page. It was just writing. And I put it under his nose and I said, like, do you recognize this? Who's this from? And he looked at it for a split second and he looked up and he said, well, those grandpas, where'd you get that from? <laughs> <laughs> and right away I was like okay so that's just another example of the the affirmations and the confirmations now you know if this was happening to me there was one one section of the book that I, I have to ask you about you were receiving a message from Raphael and I know that's not the Archangel Raphael or the painter Raphael because of the answer he gave when you asked if he was ever on the earth plane you know we know that Raphael was not mortal, only Sandalfin and Metatron. There was only two archangels that were ever mortal. And we know that he would have responded saying, hey, I was a painter, you know, from the 1400s, I think it was. But what he said was that he was a king married to a queen from Persia, and they had a son who passed, but he never stated his name as a mortal man. And I was very curious about this one. I would have been like Googling the heck out of this to see who is this person when he was on the <laughs> physical plane. So do you, do you ever do that out of curiosity? Like, well, what Raphael are you? Cause I mean, I'm only familiar with those two. I don't know anybody famous named Raphael other than those two. So I was like, who else could it be? I don't know. It could be just some dude named Raphael who was a king of somewhere and his wife was a queen from Persia. And I thought I would want to get like historical about this and see, is this accurate or is somebody like faking me out? Do you ever do that? Well, I oftentimes get the urge, but then what happens is, is then I move on to the next writing, and then I have something ah. else that I have the urge to look up, and then I move on, and then I move on, and then and then and then you know somewhere along the line, I you know I'll think to myself, does it really matter? It doesn't really matter well, to yeah, anymore. No. Would matter. But it, but I understand where you're coming from, and I, there are there have been definitely think, certain things that I've I've googled and um, sort of cross referenced and. Um, specifically the, uh, well, the, um, which we call it in the back. I'm losing my, oh, the, the, like the bibliography. Oh, the, the, bibliography. the definitions, the definitions yes, the defini- in the back. Dictionary. Like of, <laughs> <laughs> the dictionary. Believe it or not, I'm a writer. <laughs> I know we're both doing well here tonight. The channel's definitions. I'm looking it up now. The channel's defi- <laughs> definitions on page 125. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thank you. So my my son had asked me one day, what does I think it was the word equilibrium? Equilibrium. He said, what does equilibrium mean? And I I was I realized, well, actually, I'm not a hundred percent certain what that means. And so I started to look it up in the dictionary. And Steve said, why don't my partner Steve said, why don't you just 
ask, just channel a message and ask. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. So it just kind of started out for fun. And I started channeling um, all those definitions in the back of the book. And then I cross-referenced them all just to see some of them were pretty obvious, but some of them weren't to me at the time. And so I went back and cross-referenced them. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what the dictionary, dictionary says, only Raphael or Solomon or whoever just says it just a little bit more eloquently than you'd find in the Western mm. Dictionary. <laughs> Absolutely, but yeah. Ra- mm. Raphael, you know, I know pretty much just as much about Raphael as um, the people who read the book or follow my blog or, you know, because um, there, there's different messages that come through from Raphael. And it's interesting because he does refer to himself as a healer, which I know now, although at the time I didn't, mm-hmm. that Raphael, Archangel Raphael, is known for his healing powers, right? Yep. And um, yeah. So I don't know if there's still some sort of connection or not, but the first message that I received from Raphael was um, he introduced himself as a healer of sorts and that he uses electromagnetic energy to heal, to help the human human being heal their body and to um, envision basically the message I got was envision that, that he's there or she, or, you know, however, on that side, there is no he or she. So I'm just using, right. Um, he's there to, to help remove those toxins using electromagnetic energy. So what I would do is I, if I was feeling unwell or sometimes just because, or if my son was feeling well, I would, you know, call in Raphael and like just ask Raphael to be present. And, and I would envision the, big magnet <laughs> coming into mm-hmm. the top of my head and and going going down into sort of the middle of my ad, abdomen and then from there I would envision all the toxins just gravitating to this magnet that he'd provided and then when I felt like I had removed all the toxins onto this magnet I would then envision this magnet coming back out through the top of my head and going back out into the universe and it just sort of disappearing and and dissipating. So I use Raphael all the time as a healer, and I know that it's um, worked magic for us in this house sometimes. And I know that the other Raphael is also a healer. So, but I can't really tell you what the, you know, what the connection yeah, is I there. Yeah, I just know that it works. Yeah, it absolutely does. And, you know, in my work as an energy therapist, and people will call me a healer, and I'll say, no, it's not me. I'm a conduit. Um, you know, it, it, many times, you know, it, it, I know it works. I know it works because I see it work. People come in. I go to hospitals. You know, it works. It absolutely works. And people will say, well, it's just the way you do it. It's like, no, anybody can do this. Anybody can mm-hmm. do this. just have to concentrate, and it's an awareness. It's a focus. And it's just laser-like focusing and concentration, and anyone can do this. So just as you're saying anyone can channel, anyone can also do the healing thing and bring in whatever entities they need to bring in. And, you know, as long as they're God-like entities, I don't really care. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You know? And so many times mm-hmm. you call on people and say, please help me with this. And, you know, it's too bad that I limit it. Sometimes I'll say, please help me get through this. And I will. And then I'll be, I'll collapse immediately thereafter, which isn't good. So it's just, now I've learned, help me get through this and then let's keep it away forever and see what happens. Right. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's what happens. There, another person that was in that um, you channeled is Sherman H. Harlow. Do you know that person? No, I don't. But okay. I know that he's awesome. <laughs> he, yeah, he's well, so reading the book like, is. Isn't he like just? It's interesting how, just like us as humans in physical form, these you know beings on the other side are 
have their own characteristics and their own personalities. And Sherman H. Harlow, I've actually channeled verbally once, just not too long ago. Um, he just asked to come through while I was channeling Solomon. And I mean, but you have to remember, they sort of come as this group, right? So Solomon yeah. is just the, the, the voice for the group, let's say. And even in that experience where it's an audio channeling, you can, there was a distinct difference that I could feel because I'm sort of aware of what's going on. I, I can hear what they're saying and, you know, I, I ponder things just as much as somebody who was listening would kind of. And I was thinking, wow, they just seem so different and sound so different, but yet the message is the same. And sure, there's just, I won a couple of um, poetry uh, awards um, or the poems have been chosen, I guess is a better way of putting it, to be published. And they were both, Sherman H. Harlow and because he's so poetic and how he delivers his messages are just so kind and ancient and old and like full. Well, yes, and I loved that. And so I did Google Sherman H. Harlow and there are there's no Sherman H. Harlow, first of all, that you can Google. <laughs> there's a Sherman somebody else Harlow <laughs> and you know, and then they do what was that actress? Is it Jean Harlow or somebody? I don't know. I'm like, oh. I don't know who that is, but I know they're an actress. I'm like, okay. So I'm Googling this and I'm like, Well who I figured they were a, a poet from, you know, another century. I thought, Well this must be a poet from another century because this is some of this stuff is beautiful. As a matter of fact, uh one of his poems, if I may read it I absolutely loved, and I really think that it kind of, and this is under your affirmations and poems section, which is at the back of the book, and if you're amenable, I'd really like to read this one to our listeners. It sums everything up so beautifully, and it is a poem by Sherman H. Harlow, and it is called Our Curtain Call. May I read it? Oh, yeah. Look for change within, as a new day will always begin. Drop that dime and watch it as it falls through the cracks of those concrete walls of fame and fortune that will not withstand the call of wisdom from within to aid and care for your fellow souls who lie between those cracks in sunken holes. Reach for the hands that struggle to find fresh air and bright light that lead to a safe zone from emotional blight. That is a human right. The world is hungry for unconditional love, free from glove that strangles the soul. Release the grasp of consumption without the assumption that the world will falter minus this thing called money. Taste the sweetness of the honey that flows from the hive of compassion, love, and understanding that reminds us of all that we require to thrive. Be at one with yourselves. Be at one with all, as this is our curtain call to make way for change. I just loved that. I absolutely mm-hmm. loved that. So that's when I started Googling him. Cause I was like, this guy has to be like for real. <laughs> he must be like famous. <laughs> and I couldn't find him. And I thought, I wonder if she knows him, if it's a relative or something, I got to ask the question. So I asked and you don't, but we both agree that he's great. <laughs> he, he's just so awesome. There's, there's a, I think that was one of the ones that might've been chosen. And then there's, there's one, um, do we have time? I opened up back there too. Can I read this one? This one's my favorite. Absolutely. I, 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 I used to read this one every day. And, and the thing is with, with these affirmations that are in the back of the book, I consider these poems, there are affirmations and then there's poems basically. And for me, because I was trying to break so many habits, we're, we're, set, we're such creatures of habits. And when it comes to awakening, moving forward sort of in our spiritual growth, a lot of it is habit breaking and new habit creation. 
And for me, I, what I really realized about myself is how repetitive my thoughts were. And this is true for all of us, and it still is. Mm-hmm. And how many of those thoughts were worrisome, fearful, basically negative overall. And although I wasn't a negative person, really, per se, they were definitely influencing my life because, as I know now, thoughts, words, or energy, they carry with them a vibration and they're a forecast to our mm-hmm. action and things just keep, continue to play out. So what I did when I was trying to break these habits of how I was thinking, um, I had a very difficult time just stopping myself from thinking. And I've sort of come to the conclusion that as human beings, unless we're in a deep state of meditation or some form of meditation, it's very, if not almost impossible to stop thinking. So what I decided to do was just change the way I was thinking. And what I would do is I would start my day by picking up this, the book. Um, at the time it was a manuscript and I would just, pick a poem and I would read it and then some of them the shorter ones I would memorize and when I was driving into work and I saw felt myself sort of slipping back into this habitual pattern of what I have to do when I get to work and how I was going to prioritize my morning and then what I was going to do after lunch and then what I was going to do after dinner da, 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 I would stop myself and then I would insert some of these one-liners two-liners because I have a poor memory <laughs> the ones that I can <laughs> remember and I would just repeat them over and over and eventually it just became a habit that I was now thinking positive thoughts. Sometimes I would just start making things up and I would catch myself thinking to myself, I'm an amazing, beautiful human being and I am, you know, full of light and love and I'm sending light and love to the world. And I realized, you know, that's such a better way to spend your time. If you're going to think, you may as well mm-hmm. think positive. So that's this right. one that I use, <laughs> but most of us, we don't do that. So I'd wake up in the morning for the longest time and I would re- re- read this particular poem by Sherman H. Harlow, which, by the way, I channeled in the parking lot of Starbucks while I was looking for a friend who was going in to get us a coffee. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was just, oh, my gosh, i got to write this down. So it's called Return to Your Roots, and it goes like this. Rise and fall as all of us shall, but always return to your roots that run deep. They are embedded in time for all to remember and share. As you nourish your roots, ask for the truth to set you free of restless unroots. Ruthless lives are living with ties that bind their souls to dead-end skies. As the clouds begin to part, warmth will set you apart from the shackled souls of unloving roles. The time is here again as a new day has begun to play the part of an unfailing heart. There is order and peace in universal beliefs that strengthen with efforts of followers of calm. Your faith is strong, your legacy to live on, Empower yourself and those you seek to share the magic of a world not so bleak. Sherman H. Harlow. I just love it. Yep. Yeah, and it, all of his poems, were, it was hard to choose, you know, and I don't know. I just really liked his his writing a lot. So, I, as I said, I had to Google to see what famous poem he was, and he's not, which is unfortunate. He and should be. <laughs> yeah, it's well, crazy. We, we, I can't believe we're almost at the top of the hour here. I, I just can't believe it. I, I want to say that a soulful awakening is a tool for, for absolutely anyone. You know, no, actually, let me rephrase this. It's a tool for everyone, no caveats, no exceptions. I really believe that everyone will resonate with at least one of the passages or the messages that have been given to you. You know, these stories are poignant. The reader can kind of reflect on their own life or circumstances as they read. And 
Well, I found it easy to relate. So I would say this offers guidance, whether someone chooses to see and take that guidance is, of course, their own choice. But I see this as a guide, as a really nice guide that helps people to realize that, you know, not only did an ordinary person have this extraordinary experience, but we're all very special. We all have our gifts to bring to the table, and we need to be aware of what it is that we're doing and use it as, you know, the affirmations in the back of the book, affirmations and poems, and a lot of our poems are beautiful. Read them. They'll, they'll hit you at a soul level. So I just, uh, I, I really put that out there to everyone to, to check it out because it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. And I know that we can learn more about you at your website, which is stephaniebanks.org, O-R-G, stephaniebanks.org, and that will be on the on the site page so you can the listeners can listen to it but before we go if you would tell our listeners how they can you know purchase your book where and what your what's coming up for you okay well the the book is available obviously on my website and from here i send fine copies it's also available on the major online bookstores amazon.com amazon.ca barnes and noble um, Bubble or Press, which was the publishing company. And of course, I'm on Facebook. Sometimes it's hard to find people on Facebook. So my Facebook address is if you go into facebook.com, it's slash author dot Stephanie Banks. That's the easiest way to find it. And then just recently, we started a YouTube channel based on our close friends and family who have been really encouraging in terms of um, putting up our live channelings onto YouTube for people to view. So this is just a couple weeks old now. There's, I think, about 15 beautiful videos on our YouTube channel, which is, if you just, if you find my, my uh, website, you'll see my picture on there. And then when you search Stephanie Banks in YouTube, you will see my picture up there as well. And I would encourage anyone who's interested to listen to some of those channelings from Solomon because there's some invaluable information on there. So we've been doing quite a few tours this winter. It's my off season. So I've had quite a bit of time. We do um, lectures, workshops, as well as live channeling events now. So next, um, well, from here on in, we're going to be traveling here and there and everywhere. So, you know, I'd love to be able to make it everywhere at some point. And I definitely appreciate being able to do these interviews and appreciate the work that that you're doing in in the capacity that you are. And it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. It's been wonderful having you here on the show. You know, I just, I really appreciate your time. And I know you're very busy and you have all of these events coming up. But, boy, this was a great book and it, it was a, a, a good topic to, to bring out to everyone's attention. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. So, oh, listen. Thank you. And if I w- may welcome. I just say sure, one more ahead. thing because my, my partner is going to be, he said, don't forget to tell everyone we have a new book coming out in the fall called The Practice in Perpetual Bloom. So keep your eyes open for that one as well. Oh, well, will you send me one of those as well? I'll have you back. I'll have you back in a heartbeat. That would be great. <laughs> Make sure you put me on the list. Pleasure. 
Thank you. I will, absolutely. Yeah, I really want you to. So listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. And this is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy and Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy and Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. It's not a hand.